yeah, there's a possibility that the Auburn game may not happen. Hmm. How does that how does that sit with you? <laughs> um, I thought we said this is going to be a PG thirteen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to My Got a Podcast. I'm Jim Wood. In this episode, John Powell and I are joined by Jason Hasty of the Hargret Library. We talk about what Jason does at the Hargret Library, a special exhibit he's overseeing this fall, how you can visit, and we answer questions from you, our listeners. As always, remember to check out store.mygotapodcast.com to see our latest merch. And you can follow us on social media at My Got a Podcast. Now, let's join the conversation in progress. You know, every episode, uh, the little intro that everyone just heard does start with joining the conversation in progress. And I got, you know, we get questions and jokes about that sometimes. Uh, but tonight is is uh, <laughs> proof that, that that is a real thing and there is a conversation <laughs> that's been going on. Um, so we have not only John and I as usual, but we've also got a, a special guest this week, uh, Jason Hasty. And uh, we, we've we've asked you enough questions off air that we realized, man, we really need to hit record. <laughs> so Jason, thanks so much for coming on. I got a podcast. Absolutely. This, this conversation has already gone on like an hour, so we <laughs> might as well record it. But yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Might as well go ahead and get started. Time. Uh, so I'm going to try to do something right off the bat that I'm usually horrible at doing. And we do this at the end. So Jason, why don't you tell folks first off, like where people can find you and and, and find out about what, uh, what, what you do, where can we send them online? Absolutely. So um, my, my official title is the UGA athletics history specialist, which just means that I manage the archives of the athletic association and essentially function as a university's athletics historian, uh, which is not a bad job to go into every day, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I work for the special collections libraries. A lot of people think I work out of uh, athletics, out of Butts Mayor, but I actually work for the special collections libraries at UGA. I work for the Hargrit Library. And we are in the Russell Special Collections Building, which is on the quad uh, across from the new Terry College campus. So we're okay. in the big building with the dome across from uh, Terry College, or the cupola, I suppose. It's not a dome. Okay, got it. And I know I uh, first started interacting, at least on Twitter, through the the Hargrit account. So and that's that's easy. Just Hargrit. It's just mm-hmm. at Hargrit Library on Twitter. It's just right? at Hargrit Library. Yeah. The good the good thing about ne- being named Hargrit is there aren't that many Hargrits out there, so we can pretty much grab up all the domain names <laughs> with Hargrit in them. <laughs> Uh, nice. Well, I, I know, um, I've heard, I've heard you in a few places. I've heard you on some other podcasts. I know we've heard you on, uh, on 960, the ref, the morning show. Um, and, and, you know, we had kind of started talking this past summer about some stuff that you had, yep. you had going on coming up. So I don't know, I guess if, maybe we could just start with just telling folks a little bit about like, what goes on at, at Hargrid library. So like if someone, and also like when, when can you come by, how can people see that, see what's going on, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Hargrid, um, people hear the name or they hear special collections and, and it's, it's a little bit mysterious. People don't exactly know what's going on um, <laughs> because we're, 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 we're not in the main library. We're kind of offset. We do some different things, but, but basically the special collections library is, is a collection of three different libraries in one building. And all the libraries are devoted to um, preserving artifacts, preserving uh, broadcast media, preserving documents, things that anything that needs a special, any kind of special handling or care. So mm-hmm. things that you can't just put out on a shelf in the main library and 
have people check out and take home. Uh, Got it. So that's what we handle. Um, okay. So all the all the material in in the special collections building is accessible to the public. Anyone can access it. So, for example, the Athletic Association Archive, which is what I manage, uh, anybody uh, in the public, anyone in the public can come and actually look at the material in the Athletic Association Archive. You don't have to be a UGA student or faculty. You don't have to be part of the UGA mm. community. It's it's totally just open to the public. And and really what, what this is, and when I say an, an archive, uh, people may not quite understand that term, but it really is just a collection of material about kind of a single topic or a broad range of under one topic. So, for example, the Athletic Association Archive, um, it's everything from uniforms to photographs, administrative documents, uh, game day programs, things that fans have made. Um, it really is just a huge collection of material. Uh, and it is a huge collection. Uh, when uh, in, in special collections, one thing we do to kind of determine the size of a collection or is to uh, measure it in linear feet. So literally how okay. much space does it take up on a shelf? Hmm. And the Athletic Association Archive right now is about 325, 330 linear feet. Wow. So if you put all the boxes end to end, it would cover just over a football field in length. So one box might have one helmet in it, but another box might have 500 photographs, hmm. you know, letters, playbooks, anything. So it's it's a huge, huge collection of material. So I want to go. I yeah. want to go back to uniform really quick because we 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 interact with what we call uniform Twitter a lot, and we get a lot, yeah. we get a lot of uniform questions. I mean, you're uh -huh. and you and you mentioned the box might have a helmet in it. So we're talking actual like actual physical uniforms that were practiced in or played in, or is this like documentation about them or like the jersey or like someone's jersey or someone's helmet and all those things? It's the actual the actual article. Uh, okay. So yeah. It will be an actual jersey, you know, whether game worn or made for the program. It'll be an actual helmet that was used in a game, um, shoes that were worn in a game, a uh, mm. huge collection of silver britches. We actually have some pre silver britches football pants. So, yeah, it's the real stuff. You hear that? So, uniform police reminder they're, they weren't always silver. I was... no. They weren't <laughs> I love, always silver. I love to make jokes about when people, when, uh, when we talk about changing things and people are like, it's tradition, it's tradition. It's like, well, you know, we didn't always have the power G on the helmet. There wasn't it even wasn't always, always a G that on the way. helmet, you know, like I just laugh at that kind of stuff. You know, I hear that. And my, my answer is, well, which part of our tradition do you want to hold to? Mm, <laughs> you know, there's, right. there's a lot of tradition there and there are a lot of different changes. Um, not as many as some, some colleges, but True. there are definitely some variations. I mean, we're not Oregon for goodness sakes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, there have been some changes in the uniform over the years. But yeah, it's and, and the great thing about this archive is it, because it's open to the public. If you actually want to come in and say, "Okay, I want to know what we wore before the silver pitches," yeah, so you can come in and we'll actually put you in a reading room and bring out a box with pairs of pants that we wore before. 1939. You're not wow. looking at it behind glass. You're not looking at it from like a safe distance. You're actually just holding it, looking at it, taking pictures of it right there. Like I mean, like, hand you a box and say, there you go. Do you have to like wear gloves and stuff? Like, am I putting gloves on if I can, like, can you touch it? How does that yeah, work? Totally. Yeah. I mean, with textiles, uh, if, if they're really delicate, we might ask you to wear gloves or if there's some kind of damage, but generally Generally, no. So the white gloves are kind of a Hollywood thing. This is, this, is, 
it's, it's kind of a joke. This is like National Treasure. This is National Treasure. What's the cheesy um, Netflix treasure hunting show? Uh, Outer Banks. I'm like Outer Banks. When yeah, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> there are a bunch. Yeah. Like Treasures the Museum, I think was one. It's, it's uh-huh. like Mysteries the Museum. Um, but yeah, the, that's a Hollywood. It's, it makes holding documents look a little more exciting if you have to put on like gloves. But, uh, Fair enough. You know. <laughs> Is nice. it like that net at the museum and Jason's in there? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> everything's coming to life. So, I you mean, you so, say they're after five, no guarantees. No, <laughs> not to just stick on the uniform rabbit hole, but I mean, like, is there anything that, like, that you don't have? Is there anything that has been, like, lost? Like, do we have one of each of, like, the helmet? I'll just, like, pick the helmet, for example. Like, is there a helmet that you don't have there that, like, you'd be like, oh, like, if you, found one it would be crazy kind of thing we don't have every single iteration of the helmet um okay just because there would be so many but fortunately because our helmet design has stayed pretty true through the years or pretty stayed pretty similar through the years mm-hmm. we don't need to have every single one because there's mostly the same you right. know we have leather helmets we have leather helmets have been painted red mm-hmm. we have um silver helmets we have the dually era helmets uh one helmet i would like and i know it's controversial but the 2011 boise state helmet i don't have one of those really i i ha- i don't um i have a pair what? of those pants, but i don't have a jersey or a helmet for that uniform and just for the sake of sheer oddity i would like to have one so if okay. anyone out there has one wants to get rid of it uh send me a note <laughs> That's, that's amazing. Uh, so, so that's actually going to give credence to the whole concern that everybody had was like, they probably took them and burnt them or they're in some third world country. Like, so that's yeah. funny. You actually don't have a helmet from that game. I don't have a helmet. I have seen one. I have seen a helmet, but I, I don't where, have one. Where, where would they have gone? Like, what, like, where, where, I, where I, were they, where I, were they doing them? The athletic department. So they still exist in athletics. At least okay. one still exists or existed a couple of years ago. Mm. If oh, they exist say, now, I'm not sure. I won't guarantee that it's still over there. Don't but say I do that. You're going to give people, people are going to go into a spiral about the fact that they could possibly come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw a shipment of them come in the other day. It just yeah, happened to be don't do that to us, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you just triggered you just triggered uniform twitter <laughs> it's just going to be this uniform from now on get rid of the get rid of the current uniform <laughs> right right i think i think i'll i'll call it out because i think we actually stumbled into one of the listener questions it was uh 51 to 7 gata had asked does anyone know what they did with these uniforms and it was it was those uniforms so uh i, I do have a pair at least not a helmet there yeah i do have a pair of the pants um okay John Michad, who's our equipment manager, longtime football equipment mm-hmm. manager, gave me a box full of silver britches a couple of months ago, and the, there was a pair of those in there. So, oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. The That's too funny. Bridges. They do exist. Yeah. <laughs> they do I'm, exist. I'm, I'm looking at the picture of those uniforms right now. So, and those pants were like, looks like they're all red with no striping or anything. It's just straight red pants. That was such a weird uniform. It, it, it's a really odd shade of red. It does not look like Georgia red at all. Oh, that's interesting. Because I wasn't, I did not go to that game. I watched on TV. So I don't really, you know, you can, it's hard to pick up stuff like that on, on TV. It, it, yeah, it, at least to me, it, maybe it's just the, the the rest of the uniform throws the shade off, but it just doesn't look mm. Georgia red to me. Right, right. 
right? It's That's something slightly off. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry, I took you down this yeah. this uniform rabbit hole, and you're probably going to say, "Yeah, <laughs> you're on your way to your next thing." But this, that was super intriguing to me. So, so, Jim, this is what I do for a living. I go down rabbit holes about what we've worn. <laughs> you've, years, you've come so. to the right place. <laughs> I mean, the wrong place. I'm not sure. What we'll I feel like I could just like get lost within all this stuff. What are the hours like? Because so this is, I mean, so for me, like I live out of state, and you know, I'm not always. I'm usually in Athens on a game weekend, so I yeah. don't know. And like we were talking before, like I've been on that quad outside the special collections, like on a game day, but I don't know if the building's open. Like, what uh, if you're an out of town visitor? Like, when could one come by? That is is kind of the hard part about about what we do is our building is really is not open on the weekends. And like most university buildings, it's closed on on game day Saturdays. But we're open Monday, Wednesday, Friday, eight to five and then Tuesday, Thursday, eight, seven. So at least if you're in town and and so you get in town on a Thursday for a game, you can swing by and uh, we'll get you in. But we'd also be open that Friday as well. So I know okay. a lot of folks come in around lunchtime on fr- on uh, Fridays for game days. So uh, we're a good option. You know, have some lunch, walk down from downtown and um, see what we, you know, see what, see stuff, you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you could be, you know, you're on, I'm thinking about it. If you're downtown, mm-hmm. you're maybe you're on your way to the bookstore. You want to buy yeah. something. It's on the way there or back. Block, block and a half from downtown. So yeah, it's a pretty easy stop. And, you know, why wouldn't you, if you're doing that, why wouldn't you want to stop in and see like some pre silver britches pants or look through a bunch of old photos? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, maybe we could do a, an onsite recording on a Friday before. <laughs> I think we can make that happen. Uh oh. <laughs> we uh now oh. I'm already like trying to think of like, okay, so I gotta take a Friday off of work. <laughs> I gotta come down totally here, cool. I gotta get over there. Yeah, the Kentucky I, I'd game sounds that. like a good day to do that. Kentucky game. <laughs> Kentucky, yeah. Yes. As as John says, the Kentucky game looms large. We've got uh a bunch of people gonna be in town. We've got uh our friend British Bulldog is coming across the pond for that game. So oh, we'll, awesome. we'll be there at that yeah. game. So I, I had hoped to meet him the last time that he came through, and we never <laughs> could make it make it work. So uh, well, he's already I, seen all the athletic facilities. He, he just come down and see the, the special collections. <laughs> yeah, I, I reached out and said, you, "If you've got to learn about the history over here," so but we weren't yeah. able to make it work. So hopefully this uh, time uh, he comes through. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. We'll we'll get him. We'll get him the word. We'll get the word that there's a request out there. <laughs> so. I, speaking of the the collections and coming through during the fall, um, you do have a a specific exhibit that you you're about to unveil, right? Yeah. So every fall, I do uh, some some large scale museum exhibit about a different topic in Georgia sports history. Um, you know, I've done Title IX desegregation. I looked at the 2017 season, which was just for fun, really. Mm. Um, and this year because he passed away last year, I'm going to look at the life and career of Coach Dooley. Uh, it's going to be called Legacy, Vince Dooley, 1920, uh, 1932 to 2022. And just look at, uh, obviously, some of the, the football things that he accomplished, but some of the things that he accomplished off the field as well that people may not know as much about. Um, yeah. We have, um, I, there's, as you might imagine, quite a lot of material in the archives about Coach Dooley's life and career and from Coach Dooley. 
uh, from him directly. Uh, and he had a wonderful relationship with the UGA Libraries. Um, he actually started the UGA Library Endowment Fund. Uh, our endowment hmm. fund is the is actually the Vincent J. Dooley Library Endowment Fund. Uh, yeah, he started that with his money, and uh, he is he was active in that, and really till he passed. Um, so it will be a just a nice look at Coach Dooley's life and career, and bring out some artifacts that people might not have seen before, or have not seen in a long, long time, and photos that people probably never seen before. Uh, so one thing that I'm doing is I will have an area in this exhibit, an exhibit gallery, where uh, visitors can leave uh, their own memories of Coach Dooley. Uh, just write down, you know, on a piece of paper, put it up on a wall. Uh, favorite memory of Coach Dooley, a thought about his legacy, um, favorite, you know, game that he coached, something um, that I'm hoping will kind of act as a nice uh, living, growing memorial to him, uh, certainly because he just meant so much to so many Georgia people through the years. Yeah. Is there uh, any any video, anything re related there? Like, I don't know, game footage or anything, or is it more photos, artifacts? So this will be photos and artifacts. The their broad, the broadcast media library, the Walter J. Brown uh, Media Archive, they handle all of our, all of our broadcast media. And Got it. It's a separate department, and um, it's just it's a little difficult to display those things at our museum Makes gallery. Sense. The noise. The only so reason I was thinking of that is the uh, I just I was, you know talk about like memories and everything. Like I just always when I was a kid, just always got so into the uh his like i don't know his sideline demeanor like walking with the play the leg kicks mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff although you probably maybe, maybe there's some good photos of that too <laughs> there are some good photos of that actually uh, there are some good photos of that and I, I i was a kid growing up watching coach dooley's team so that was always a fun part of going to a game or watching a game was seeing him on a sideline so i think real long-term georgia fans will, will appreciate seeing some photos of that um, but there is there is footage out there and there's footage available through the media archive. And even though they're broadcast media and we're art, you know, physical uh, artifacts, it's really accessible in much the same way. You know, you go through their website, uh, which is accessible through the UG Libraries website and, and mm. browse and see what they have. They have plenty of clips available online. And, you know, you can reach out to their archivists and say, man, you know, I'd really love to see some of the stuff and they'll work with you on 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 getting it so uh okay. digital media is a little difficult to work or broadcast media is a little difficult to work with because just because it's so time and um time intensive to scan and, and host and all that but uh they they have a massive amount of it and they're always happy to work with people on on finding good stuff gotcha very cool so like i mean how long does it take to put together an exhibit like this for a dually um i mean i really started working on this one not long after he passed, uh, thinking about it at least. Hmm. With Coach Dooley, it's a little different because I've worked, I, I, I knew Coach Dooley. I worked with him on things through the years. Uh, I actually did a, a long series of oral history interviews with him. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, uh, it was back in 2017. He and I spent like eight hours together just in his living room talking um, and filming. And that was. The highlight of my life as a Georgia fan. Uh, trust me. Um, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's, so, that's cool. Yeah. That was, that was really cool. And actually, it culminated um, in one, probably one of the coolest things I've ever ever done is right before we went up to Notre Dame uh, to play uh, in South mm. Bend, 
we did a uh, an oral history interview with Coach Dooley, Frank Ross, and Jack Sweeney, who was the starting fullback on Notre Dame's team. Okay. And uh, just the three of them telling stories. Really, I just got them rolling, and then they took it and were just talking for like an hour and a <laughs> half about that game. <laughs> Uh, just the, one of the coolest things over oh, ever. Um, but so going back to the question, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a long while. And uh, what, what takes a long time is just going through the archive and, and finding all the artifacts and making sure that I find exactly the right ones to tell the story, exactly the right photographs to put out to tell the story about his life and career. And uh, as you might imagine, there are a lot of photographs of Coach Dooley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm sure uh, we have some gifts too. If you want them, yeah. <laughs> we can submit them to the Dooley. Uh, we'll, we'll, have, we'll start the the Dooley gift archive. <laughs> yes, love it. Yes, we can get. It's we can pretty, get it's pretty to epic, to be fair. <laughs> uh, and, and I will say this is alongside my exhibit um, in in Butts Mayor up by the uh, athletic director's office. There will be a space dedicated to Coach Dooley. Um, there will be a timeline of his life and career that I've been working on uh, for quite a while now. And we'll have a small uh, uh, exhibit gallery over or exhibit case over there where I can rotate in and out artifacts about his life. Um, so this this will be kind of an ongoing uh, tribute to Coach Julie through the years. That's that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Um, and I believe I don't know there there may if, if you if you go and visit the exhibit. And you you see the area where there's stuff to uh, where you can write and add things. There may or may not be some thoughts from John and I. Just if there there will be, um, and, you know, yeah. we one thing that I did was reach out to people, um, kind of a wide range of Georgia fans, um, younger fans, older fans, um, to get their thoughts. And and you guys were uh, kind enough to contribute uh, contribute some thoughts as well. So I appreciate that. Yeah, we were we were, we're honored. honored. We were honored. Absolutely. <laughs> we were honored you asked. So we, we we sat down together and came up with something that we felt like was uh was was fitting. And actually even used part one of the things is actually something we got from a, a listener and fraternity brother uh that, that chipped into part of that. He, he's part of where yeah. our, one of our saying came from. So nice. Pretty cool. It was very nice. So I hope people will enjoy seeing it. Excellent. So, and okay. So, and I, you probably already said it, but I already forgot it. So for, so that everyone knows when, when, when does that start? So when, when can people first go and see that exhibit? Yeah. And actually I don't think I did mention that. So it's okay. probably good to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> Just randomly show up at times, especially yeah. so that'll go up the Friday. It'll open to the public on the Friday before the first home game. Okay. So before the first uh, game against UT Martin, it'll open to the public. And also on Fridays before home games, you know, kind of talking about visiting special collections. Um, on Fridays for home games at three o'clock, I will do a free tour of that exhibit. Uh, mm -hmm. Anybody can show up, no reservations required. Just show up in the Rotunda Gallery and special collections at three on a Friday for home game and listen to me talk for like 45 minutes or an hour. That may be a deterrent. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> I feel like it sounds amazing. Uh, I mean, if I were if I were to come into town, I'd want the expert because I wouldn't know where I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do. Like, I mean, yeah, sh show me around, sir. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it free to come normally, or is it what's yeah. what's the it's totally free? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. we are absolutely free to everyone. 
And it's, is, I feel like I feel like you just exposed. Uh, a, a, there's going to be like a horde of people coming in on on Fridays now because I feel like that there's a lot of folks out there that travel into town and they're looking for something to do. Maybe you're you're tired of going downtown, which I, I guess that's possible. But you know, you just just pop over in the afternoon before you go downtown and, and hit up the special collections library. You know, what I always say is use it to kick off your weekend. You know, get a good tour, yeah. learn something, and then go have some fun. <laughs> learn and some then stuff. go impress, pay, impress people at the places you go to with your newfound knowledge. And <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm serious. Like, all I can I think, think of is all the uniform stuff. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like, like seriously. So much, yeah. so well, much Hunter, ammunition. Hunter's going to have a field day. <laughs> I know. Seriously. I will throw this out at you. One of the things I'll be displaying is Coach Dooley's 1954 college All-American game jersey. Oh, that's cool. So Coach Dooley was an All-American quarterback at Auburn. And in those days, when you were an All-American, they formed an, a, an actual college all-star team. And mm. played in Chicago. They played the reigning um, the reigning NFL champs, which in that year was the Detroit Lions. And how did I, uh, how did I yeah. not know this? This yeah, is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that now. Why Hold on. They played. They played the reigning NFL <laughs> champions. Yes. <laughs> played the college all stars. Wait, who won? Do we know who won? Um, usually the pros won, but okay. occasionally the they would slip up in the the. Uh, the college guys would win, but uh, didn't happen after 1950. I don't believe. I think that once the once the 50s hit, the the uh, the college guys lost every year. I'll tell you, the last time they did it was 1976, and they pitted really? the college all star team against the Steelers. What? Which you think? <laughs> <laughs> the Iron Curtain. The Iron Curtain Steelers. Lamar. Lamar has got some. He's got some some information there. <laughs> I know. I, I can't wait to discuss this with him. This is this is amazing. I did not know that. How did I not know that? Like, see, like this is why we have a few on. Like, <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of people that are like going to go googling now because they want to know. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things that's just kind of lost to history. People have just kind of totally forgotten about it, but. But yeah, every year you'd have the college all stars practice for a week or so, and then go play play the NFL champions. Um, That's crazy. It seems That's absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, it yeah. seems absolutely insane. <laughs> Well, especially that it happened in 1976. I mean, that's not yeah. that's not that long ago. That's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like who would have been on the, that team. Like anyway, that's that's crazy. Um, okay, so so you've got Dooley's you've got Dooley's All American jersey. Like what 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 else, what are some other unique? Are, you mentioned you you had the sit down interview with him for eight hours. Are there like nuggets from that interview that maybe are like behind the scenes that are not a part of the not a part of the exhibit that you can drop for us? Like, what are, what are some of the tidbits that you can give? Well, I, I've sworn to secrecy. Anything oh. Coach told me <laughs> off the camera, I told him I would never talk about. So I'll hold to that. But that's fair. Uh, I will I will say that I will have a, a QR code linking to that video series so people can watch it. It's all, in, it's all online and people can okay. see it. Uh, but I'll, I'll have a link to that so people can watch it. And uh, it really, you know, talk about it. I will say, talk about intimidating. You know, you sit down with Coach Dooley in his living room. And it's like, all right, let me just start talking to you about your career. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Hey, Grandpa, <laughs> tell me about your life. <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. <laughs> and this one time when you won the national championship, that was really cool. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. <laughs> so that's uh that's the joke. joke. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke I always make about myself that uh that I'm that that's how that's my interview style is basically the Chris Farley show, you know, from uh, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> from Saturday. Well, uh, unfortunately, I basically did that the first time we talked to George Foster. I was like, "Hey, George, remember when you made this block?" And then, like, you ran on the field with your hands up. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> oh man! Well, so I got, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Like, so you spent a lot of time with with Dooley. Like, what would you say? that I guess that's in the exhibit or that's publicly available or whatever. Like what, what was his, what do you think he was most, most excited to show, I guess, or like what was his favorite thing, you know, kind of thing. You know, he was, he was obviously really proud of his coaching career and, uh, but he really loved his garden. I, yeah. Know, that's that's kind of what I was guess. thinking. Yeah. yeah he, he really <laughs> was excited about his garden and um, just, just having coach walk you around his garden and tell you about his plants was pretty special. Um, that was pride and joy. That's cool. Yeah, for those that don't know, he was a master gardener, Coach Dooley. Yeah, he was a master gardener. He uh, took it up after he um, retired from coaching. He started taking. He would take classes at, at Georgia. He would he would audit classes, mm-hmm. and he audited a couple of horticulture classes and just got bitten by the horticulture bug. And uh, true Coach Dooley style, he decided to go all in and. He became a master gardener and was quite skilled, quite accomplished. Hey, um, you're you're either elite or you're not, right? <laughs> you know, people talk about the Georgia way. I mean, Coach Julie really Georgia way, there you, you know, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Wasn't he? Wasn't he like a specialist on hostas? I feel like I can't remember what what there was like something that he was like hydrangea. That's what it was. Yeah, hydrangea. Okay. There was actually age. a hydrangea named after him. Uh, it's okay. the hydrangea. There's probably oh, not another football coach that has a hydrangea <laughs> named after it. Now, now, now we're like altering our planting at our house after this there's, conversation. <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be a run on Dooley hydrangeas now. <laughs> so I mean, I'm I'm actually looking to plant some, so <laughs> that's timely. So I, I guess like related, I don't know. Like one of the things when I think of Dooley is, I mean, obviously we're with our logo and everything and our name, very Munson. Uh, big big Munson fans. I don't know. Is there anything Munson related? Whether it's with that with the collection or uh, with the Dooley exhibit exhibit specifically or not. Um, but I don't know any uh, uh, Munson related artifacts or anything going on over there. You know, the, are we really. I don't have. I have one Munson artifact, and oh. it's apparently he really just gave away most of his stuff through the years. He really didn't mm-hmm. save anything. And he gave a lot of it away, gave it to friends, gave it to family. And so there's not a lot out there. Okay. Um, but his chair uh, that was in the in Stanford Stadium when he retired, uh, uh, Claude Felton, who's you know the legendary SID and yeah. one of the greatest Bulldogs of all time, uh, saved Munson's chair that uh, he used in his last broadcast. And, and we have that. That's really cool. See, yeah. I thought you were going in a totally different direction on that. No, I thought metal it was steel be chair, no. a metal steel chair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 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 did you happen to pick up the five inch cushion? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always said that is the holy grail of Georgia sports artifacts. If somebody could actually produce that with documentation that that was the chair, <laughs> I feel that like, would be I feel the greatest like... artifact we could have. Is that something that we could get McGarity on? Like, you know, he's a, f- a friend of the a friend of the program. Like, hey, 
Greg, find this for us. <laughs> he's down there. He's what? He's like chairman of the the, the cocktail the party, Bowl, right? Something like that. I think. Yeah. Something. yeah. <laughs> the sad thing is, it probably ended up in a landfill at some point. So it's, yeah. it's yeah. rotting in a Florida landfill. Okay. So, so I guess, uh, I, in my head, in my head, I was hoping that there might be like a, a microphone, even if it was like from the era, so you could get like the whole vibe. <laughs> no, I wish I wish I had. I mean, I wish I had anything of his. Yeah, that's but, crazy. Yeah, we really just just don't have anything, which is a shame. And um, but yeah. you know, the way I always look at it is the greatest months and artifacts are the, are the calls memories, he yeah. made. You know, yeah. that's 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 the best artifact you can have for Larry Munson. Yeah, that's fair. That's very true. And so I do want to set the record straight because Jason, you you corrected me. Uh, we we were sent the these Munson archives uh, by our our friend and listener Brett Belding, mm-hmm. and I I I, t- I tagged the wrong account because they are at another collections library, I believe. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, w- w- and what was that one called? I think it's like the P- something with Peabody something. Yeah, it's the Walter J. Walter J. Brown Media Archives and okay. Peabody Awards Archives, which is cumbersome to say but they hold all <laughs> of our broadcast media and they hold okay. the archive buddy awards so okay. they have they have all any any and all broadcast clips of months and they they would have okay that that we own so right yeah i had always wondered what had what had happened to those because that was something i had always been looking for like i've got the vhs the you know munson's greatest calls sure. volumes one through whatever four i think and i've got all those old vhs tapes that they used to sell like at kroger in the sure. 90s uh oh, yeah. but like outside of that i was always of like someone has to have all of those somewhere so um i know at least some of them are there some of them are there i don't know if every single months and broadcast ever still exists um just things got taped over in the old days they would just yeah. tape over you know instead of preserving things it's like oh this is a tape we can use again and tape over it um and things just get lost or they're they're not in a proper archive or they were lost in a closet somewhere and thrown out so who we i don't i won't say that every single months in broadcast still exists but mm-hmm. the media archives has a fair number of them see this is why i'm a pack rat john john makes fun of me because uh, yeah. i don't throw i throw nothing away <laughs> We're we're gonna, we're we're going to be staring we're going to be staring into the future fifty years from now and it's going to be the Jim Wood digital media archive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, it'll be every episode of my God a podcast, and yeah, they're all out there. There you go. It'll be it'll 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 be like the the red and blacks from. <laughs> I am bad decades so, ago. Yeah. I, yeah. Is is there so I I mean, yes. So I am bad. I actually have stacks and bottom stacks of newspapers. Um, but is that stuff would that stuff be in Harvard Library or would that be somewhere else too? Like if there's like a so like like a newspaper clipping or whatever. So like eighty championship, for example, like front pages of newspaper or whatever, would things like that be there or would they be elsewhere? No, um generally we don't hold newspapers uh because they exist in other yep. places. Makes um, sense. The red and blacks are actually all digitized and keyword searchable online through the Georgia News Project. I have found those. Tremendous <laughs> resource. I use them all the time. It's amazing. And then, yeah, it really is astonishing. Uh, the flagpoles as well. Uh, if any, if you're interested in Athens, okay stuff. The flagpoles are all digitized, keyword searchable. But, but like the Banner Heralds, the AJC, that's all on microfilm in the main library. Okay. So the best. So, but I was about to say, if I recall from my elementary school library training, it was 
microfiche, right? <laughs> there's microfiche, which is I don't think used much anymore. And then there's micro. Right. Yeah. Oh man. See, our kids, a... our kids will never know. <laughs> I I have had to explain to quite a few students how to use the microfilm. It's like you unspool it and you wrap it around. <laughs> yes, you just have to crank the thing. But they're so useful. You can find so much in there. I, I can spend hours looking at old uh, newspapers, doing my own research, but uh, just somehow, sometimes just getting caught up in following stories. Yeah. Oh, I got, when I found out about those red and black archives, I lost hours, probably days. <laughs> I got lost in them because I was, I was, I would go like looking for a specific thing. Uh, like I found myself in there once, for example. Like I was like, I know it was this year, but. We can you can find all kinds of stuff in there. It's pretty cool. Um, we went down the Florida path a little bit, and so mm -hmm. I, I I so something not, I don't even know if this is even Hargrit Library related or not. I'm curious in your opinion, cocktail party actually because I've heard you talk about this before on mm -hmm. on 960 when you were on with Logan. Um, what are your thoughts on staying in Jacksonville versus home and home versus is changing and. I guess both from a historical perspective and even just your own personal opinion. So my own personal opinion kind of is, and this might be obvious, is based on his historical perspective. Um, the cocktail party has never really had much of a home and home tradition. Uh, mm -hmm. It's been played in Athens a couple of times. It's actually been played in Athens on homecoming a couple of times uh, in, the, in the 20s. Yeah. If you can imagine putting homecoming and the cocktail party in Athens at the same time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. day, uh, I, I think I might leave town for that day. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, you know, the first game was in Macon, which, of course, Florida does not recognize. But the first game was in Macon. It's been played in Savannah. Uh, it's been played in uh, Tampa. And mm. it's been played Jacksonville. And in fact, uh, the people in Savannah wanted to, the alumni group, the Chamber of Commerce uh, in Savannah in the 20s, really were talking about trying to get the, the game moved there every other year. So we played in Jacksonville one year and Savannah the next year. Got it. Uh, transportation was difficult. And they didn't really have a stadium. So uh, right. that, that was a factor. But it's always been a neutral site game. And I do think that because of that, my personal preference would be to keep it a neutral site game. The other part of that is what we're seeing in the news with college football over the last week is when you have so much change at once in the sport and so many traditions falling by the wayside. You have to consider that one of the things that made college football and college sports generally, but since we're talking about football, made it such a part of the sporting culture here in America is this kind of generational uh, tradition. And if you are losing those, what are you losing in college sports? Um, so I am afraid to continue to lose things like the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville, which is one of the only, I mean, other than Texas-Oklahoma, it's one of the only neutral side games that I can think of that's still left. Yeah. So, you know, do we want to lose that? Do we want to lose yet another part of the tradition of college sports? And this is something that, you know, Georgia, Florida has been played in Jacksonville for coming up a hundred years now. Yeah. That's a long period of time where this has been shared from one generation to the next, you know, parents to children, older siblings, to younger siblings, you know, older fraternity brothers to younger. It's been shared and passed down through the generations. And yeah. 
I'm afraid if we lose that, then we lose part of what makes college sports overall special. Yeah. You're here. You're preaching to the choir over here. <laughs> I, I, I imagine as a, I imagine as a, you know, a, a historical buff, right. A history buff um, that you, you probably have a unique perspective on some of that stuff too. Cause you, yep. you literally work in that <laughs> work in yep. the history of archiving everything. Right. So mm-hmm. how, when someone says, yeah, there's a possibility that the Auburn game may not happen. Mm. How does that how does that sit with you? <laughs> um, I thought we said this was going to be a PG thirteen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Auburn is our oldest rival, and and right. I know there's endless debate as to who our oldest or biggest rival is, and it's Auburn. Um, we were it was the second game we ever played. We were the first game they ever played. We played them more than any other opponent. We've lost more to them than anybody else. They've lost more to us than anyone else. And then you have mm. the the cross pollination of programs from each other. You know, Vinsuli we were just talking about was was an Auburn man. Pat Dye, mm. uh, who coached there for years, was the Georgia player. Uh, you know, Georgia grad. Yeah. These were there's so much shared between the programs, and part of that is. Um, the annual game it's taken two world wars to end that game the only time we haven't played is in world war one and world war two so every time that you know things you know really get bad in the world um that's about all that it that's about what it takes to for us to not play auburn and um so again I, i think that if you lose that you're losing part of who we are as a program and Auburn is losing a part of who they are as a program. And we'll also say this, that for, for many years, Tech was not the last game of the season. Auburn was. Mm. Tech was always played before Auburn, and then Auburn was the big game at the end of the year. Now, yeah. granted, it hasn't been for 100 years now, but but that is part of our history. And to play around with that, to possibly end it, uh, like I said, I, th- I think that both programs would, would regret that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, both fan bases, fan bases. Yeah. Would as well. That's, that's been, that's been my perspective all along. I said, you know, if, if anything, if we change anything at all, like if we can, we can shuffle the deck chairs on the Titanic. That is the college football world that we all love and used to know that Auburn game has to be protected at all costs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's feel like, what are we, what are we doing if you don't, play that game annually i mean that i don't know like so so much of college football like we're pe- pe- there are people who are trying to turn it into the nfl and say like, well the nfl is a better product well well, that's not the point the point isn't the product i mean the point i guess that is the product but about what it is and why we love it and why you love the college team is very different from why you love an nfl team it's very different mm. yeah. well and the, the thing that i would say is you know the nfl is always corporate product i mean it was it was you know formed in an auto showroom and (laughs) and ohio um (laughs) as the corporation yeah and was it really (laughs) yeah it was it was their 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 founding documents were signed in the back room of like an auto dealership Um, interesting sounds sounds about right (laughs) right. and college football or college sports grew organically um from the 1860s onwards, really after the Civil War, uh, American college students started imitating what 
English college students were doing at the time, which was playing organized games against other universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no founding document. There was no central control of that um, at all. And in fact, in the early years, really until the 19th, uh, beginning of the, the 20th century, most university administrations took a pretty dim view of college athletics because mm. they felt that it was taking away from what a student should be doing, which was studying. Uh <laughs> They, they didn't really see the value in having students have some kind of pastime outside of outside of their academic work. And so they really didn't get involved in the administration of college athletics. Uh, that was all left to students. Uh, college athletics in the 19th century was basically what um, like rec league or club league, club team sports are today. They were organized by students for students uh, without much interference from administration. Mm. And and so college athletics, whether it's football or anything else, one of the reasons it is kind of kind of weird and kind of funky at times is because it grew organically from that. And college administrations only reluctantly started to get involved in it. And by the time they did, college athletics was so regional in nature that it was difficult really to come up with anything that was national, nor was there any real desire to. Uh, People really didn't start talking about having, uh, you know, some kind of national guidelines for college sports outside of the NCAA, which, you know, was really about more safety and um, some uh, administrative and uh, enrollment regulations. You know, you could enroll in like five schools one year, which is what some <laughs> doing back then. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, yeah, we did it too. Everybody did. Um, <laughs> you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, I miss, they, I miss they the days when you could hide when you could hide players on the swimming team, <laughs> 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 which technically we still have. <laughs> yes. Jordan Davis is a fine diver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Cannonball is great. Um, yeah, but the so it was a very regional thing. It, there was different conceptions of what it should be all across the country. And also, you know, this is a big country and college athletics was spread out. It was mm-hmm. difficult to admit, you know, it's difficult to know what teams in the Midwest were doing or to compete against them. So, you're, you know, if you're in the South or if you're in the Northeast, you're not going to compete against teams in the West very often. So it just became very, very regional. And that's how it developed. Um, and it's only recently that we seem to be moving away from that kind of regionalism model to the more corporate model of the NFL. And that's where I think a lot of this is coming from, is moving yeah. from one model to another. And where in one, you know, athletes and fans are kind of at the center of what what decisions are made to another where profits and what the needs of corporations are are, are the center of what's the decisions that are being made, yeah. which is how you end up with, you know, four West Coast teams in the Big Ten. <laughs> and I haven't yes. checked the news lately. Maybe we've added a couple. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I can't keep I can't keep up. I can't keep up. It's I'm not a fan. It's ridiculous. Yeah, seriously. Well um Jason we 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 always have uh whenever people come on, we always talk to them about what's your Georgia story. I don't know if you mentioned, but are are you a Georgia alumni as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I, proud, I didn't proud English that. degree holder. <laughs> okay, so 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 wrap wrap a bow around your story for us. Um, so how did they come become a Georgia fan? And yeah, um, yeah, how did you become yeah, a Georgia yeah. fan? Like, what what's the what's the history of Georgia and in, in your? It's family? pretty simple. I was born into it. Um, okay. <laughs> my, my, I, I like so many my, of us. Yeah, so many of us. Um, yeah, my. I was born in 75, so I was just barely old enough to remember 1980. Uh, okay. I was five years old in 1980. And the actual first memory I have of sports, uh, not just Georgia sports, but sports in general, the first conscious memory I have of it is the Baluda to Scott play, yeah, which is a heck of a good place to start, really. Uh, um, yeah, seriously. Uh, and I didn't really quite understand. I mean, you're five. I was five. I mean, I didn't right. quite understand what was going on, but I, I have a distinct memory of watching the adults in the room go crazy. I have a distinct memory of listening to Munson make the call. Um, So that's where I started. But I grew up, my mother's family were all Georgia fans. Um, She's a huge, to this day, is still still a huge Georgia fan. Her her parents were, uh, her brothers were. My father's family, they they really didn't care much about sports. Um, So dad just kind of pretends to uh, be, well, he's glad when Georgia does well because... (laughs) My mother's in a good mood, <laughs> but he's not a sports guy. So I really became a Georgia fan through my mother. Um, she took me to the first Georgia game I ever went to. It was uh, George Clemson in 86, um, which, you know, that was when that series was still red hot. So seeing the yeah. Georgia campus for the first time, um, it was it was eye opening for a 10 year old, uh, yeah. soon to be 11 year old. Um, yeah, I started school here in 94. Um, been a Georgia fan my whole life. That's amazing. And when did you graduate? Well, I ended up being a non-traditional student. I graduated. Okay. I started in '94, but I graduated in the 2000s. So, I was I've, at a certain point, like I'm just we we overlapped. We overlapped. Yeah, we overlapped. Yeah. Oh, when, when, when were y'all here? So I was there from '98 to '02. Uh, yes, four and a half years, but it's okay because I redshirted. That's the same, same. <laughs> okay. I yeah. was there from yeah. 2000 to 2004. Okay, well, then we definitely overlapped then. And I was working yeah, for the yeah. university. I started working for UGA in 2002. So, okay, I've been I've been on campus a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, not, a good, so not a bad you, place to be. No. You entered you entered your fandom at one of the best times to to be alive at Georgia, and then you spent that entire lifetime, and then in 2002. You started working at the next like pinnacle, you know what I mean? Like at, at, yeah. um, on the ri- the rise up. So like that's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's it is neat, and and I've and I've been managing the archives of the athletic association for over a decade now. Um, so it it just as a lifelong Georgia fan, I'm never not grateful for what I do, and I'm always I feel the weight of expectations from my fellow fans and and the Mm. work that I do and in a very positive way. Um, You know, I, I, I I like to think, you know, what can I do to make people, other Georgia people, you know, proud of this archive, proud of this collection. And, you know, when I retire in however many years, eventually I'll retire. um, (laughs) How can I pass it on to in good shape to the next generation uh, and hope that they are, they have good things to, to say or think about what we've done, uh, what I've done so far. 
Yeah. Because I took over, and, and, and the thing is, you know, I didn't create this collection. I was say, you know, I'm indebted to Roy Gatchel, who's a name that not many people, George, not many people know. Uh, he was worked for the athletic department, and he really created the athletic association archive uh, for them. Plus Dan McGill, Lauren Smith, Vince Dooley, you yeah. know, some big names uh, have contributed to this collection. And uh, I, like I said, I definitely feel the weight, but in a very positive way. Oh, the archives, the archives, Mount Rushmore, right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they really yeah, they really are. <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right, I'm, I'm going to ask two questions, and then Jim's going to. I'm going to ask two more questions, and then Jim's going to sure. jump into the listener questions, right, Jim? That's that works for me. All it's right. our podcast. We can do whatever we want to do. We can do whatever. <laughs> we want. Yes. All right. So you you know what you if you can go back in time and, and tell your your younger self, like you're walking into the archives for the first time, like. Where do you want to tell your younger self to go and take a selfie of or whatever? Like, what's, what's the what's the what's the one thing that you got to see? Ooh, um, gosh, you know that's a tough question. Um, there's so like many your things. Personal in, favorite? Yeah, there's so many things in there. They're like, okay, here's Frank Sinkwich's jersey from '42. Um, here's Charlie Trippy's All American sweater. Um, gosh, you know, there's. I was in one of the one of the neatest things we have, and it's one of the oldest things we have. Uh, which I know is one of the old listener questions is a silver yeah. goblet, the silver goblet from 1893. It was given to us. Uh, we played all, I mean, again, going back to Auburn, you know, we played, it was our second ever game against Auburn. And there was a thought at that time that the winner of the Georgia Auburn's game every year, would get a small silver chalice with the score of that year's game engraved on it. Mm. And, uh, Auburn, Auburn says they have one from 92. Uh, I'm, 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 I have never seen it. I've seen pictures of it. I've never seen it in person. So I'm, I'm hesitant to say that it, it isn't, but who knows? It may have been made up after the fact. Um, yeah. I know we have one, ours from 93. And after that, it seems like the tradition just kind of died. They probably couldn't afford to get one every year. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, these were college kids. So so that's really one of my favorite things. It's just a little silver chalice. It's not very big, you know, a little bigger than a coffee mug. And um, it's just it's just a neat relic of 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 a very long ago game. Uh, so that's that would cool. be the one thing that I really would say. All right. That that is that is really that's cool. Very, very that's cool. cool. That was that was uh, Chad. Chad Jarvis had, had asked what was the oldest. Uh, what was the oldest item? Very cool. Well, I, I will say there, there's one other thing that is older. Um, it's a scrapbook. Uh, one of the Hodgson's, you know, the, the Hodgson School of Music, uh, one of the Hodgson's was a student uh, and put together a scrapbook uh, the year before that. And, um, news, you know, it's like it's like social media today. You know, people were putting together scrapbooks with things that were interesting to them and, you know, cutting and pasting articles about sports and, um you know, campus life, things like that. So that's, it's not purely athletics, but it's a little older than the chalice. So, so it's just, just a old scrapbook. So you have a, you have an 1892 scrapbook. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's crazy. That, I it's, mean, that's like a time capsule. It's like a time capsule in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. It literally is what it is. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways. And, and again, it's just documenting what he was doing on campus at that time, going to parties, going to dances, um, you know, see an interest in sports and cutting out articles and pasting them in a scrapbook. So it's just awesome. really neat to go through. Yeah. So, so the chalice is your personal favorite. 
I would say so. Yeah. Where does everybody where does everybody gravitate to? Like, what's the most popular like mm. the popular item? You know what I mean? Ooh, um, lately we have um, I tell you, we have the play call wristband that Stetson Bennett wore in the national championship game against Alabama. Oh my gosh, amazing! Yeah, and <laughs> we have the uh, the wristbands that Keeley was wearing when he scored the pick six in that game. Wow, those are. Lately, those are the two big, the two big draws. All right, I can't imagine why. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, so now, I'm not saying they they shouldn't be at all. Yeah. So now I feel, and I, you may have talked about this before. The ball, though, like because that was an Alabama ball. Is yeah. the ball anywhere? I think I feel like the ball's gone. The ball's I, gone. Yeah, it was an Alabama okay. ball. They picked it up. Um, much okay. to Logan Burke's chagrin. That's uh, what I thought. I, I, I knew I had heard you talk about that with Logan. Okay. <laughs> yes, he, he's he's fixated in the ball, but no, it was an Alabama ball, and they they grabbed it and um, okay, and and took it back to their sideline. So it's I'm assuming that Nick Saban had it blown up. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very on brand. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice. He sat in his office and just stabbed it. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that that tracks. Amazing. That's all I got, Jim. All right. All right. That works. That works. Well, we did. We, we, as always, we solicited for some listener questions. Uh, so Jason, if you can hang around a little bit more, we can at least yeah, get the, and, and we're, we actually, we hit a few of them already, but um, okay. So let's start with some that are not even necessarily harder related, just some, some general questions. Uh, Bubby Dean. Okay. I have a theory on this one, but I'm interested. I, I want to hear y'all's take. Um Bubby Dean said, who is going to be holding the ball for field goals and PATs? That is an important Stetson contribution over the last few years that must be replaced and no one is talking about. You guys have any ideas? I have a theory, but. I, I would uh, say it's Carson or, or Brock. Or I was say it's going to be Brock, right? Yeah. Mm, okay. I mean, whoever the backup, whoever the backup yeah, quarterback is going to be. All right. I have a theory and I did some research. So. Here is my and my my research matched my theory. So my my guess was uh Thorson, Brett Thorson. Okay. Right? And my reason was I've heard Drew Butler talk about this. And I've heard Kevin, I've heard father and son, Kevin and Drew both talk about this. Uh that they like when that is the case because with with special teams practicing, uh the quarterback has to go through quarterback drills, but the kickers are all together. So if the punter can be the holder, then they don't need to wait for a quarterback to be available to practice long snapping, holding, and kicking. Uh, and my research was I went and watched to see who held after Stetson got his curtain call in the TCU game, and it was Thorson. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, at least the first one. I don't. I didn't watch both of them. Which, yeah. But the first one it was, it was definitely Thorson because I, I watched the. Uh, I watched the hometown call that was on SEC Network because I was like, it probably wouldn't get picked up on the game broadcast. But shout out Scott Howard, he did. Uh, he called that out <laughs> in the home, on the radio call. Well, I would I, have I, to. Oh, go ahead. I would have to go back and like look at like what happens when a long-standing starting quarterback leaves, like who ends up holding holding the field goals. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to point out you know, the fact that we pulled our starting quarterback out of the national championship game and still scored a couple of TDs. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was glorious. It was glorious. Yes. Were, were you out there, Jason? Did you, did you make it out? No, no, no. I didn't make it out to either of them. Um, okay. After the first one, I figured I might be good luck not being there. So totally I'm, I'm un- understandable. Gonna, I cannot 
break up the what I've done. <laughs> I did it for the Rose Bowl, so I can't I okay. can't bear it at all. Understandable. Understandable. Uh let's see. All right. Uh friend of the show, Tim Riley, no longer miserable in Minnesota. Happy in Georgia. I guess. We need, a moniker yeah, we, we, we need to change it up. All right. What what will be the biggest home game and biggest away game this season? And yes, Jacksonville's an away game. It ain't played in Athens, Tim says. What what do you guys what do you guys think? Jason, you're 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 the guest. What what's your what's your biggest home and away game for the year? Uh well obviously UT Martin will be the biggest home game. Uh, <laughs> yes. Everyone is going on. Uh, I, I mean honestly, I'm gonna say I mean Old Miss. Yeah. I think Old Miss is gonna be pretty good this year. I think when they roll into town, it's gonna be a good big game. I think yeah. that'll have a good atmosphere. And you know, Kirby's 0 and one against uh, Old Miss at Georgia. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, as Logan pointed out on our last episode, he still needs that Mississippi win, that Ole Miss win, to complete the collection. Oh, That's yeah. right. That's yeah, the only. Right? Isn't that right? Only SEC team Kirby has. The only beat, SEC team right? he has not beaten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that loss in 2016 was embarrassing. I'm sure that that is still on his mind. It was, that was not a good day. It was brutal. It was brutal. JP, you yeah. want to hit us with a road game? What's your biggest road game? The biggest road game is going to be Tennessee for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, that that was actually my two. Shocking! I got a podcast theme of uh, agreement. <laughs> those, those are those are my two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think Kentucky maybe I could put up there for a home game, but I'm going to go with Ole Miss. And we, you know, we used to play Ole Miss so much, and we don't play them as much anymore. So it'll be fun. And Hunter will be the there. Kentucky. The Kentucky game is for sure going to be like the the personal my personal home home game so right because right. that's that's going to be that's going to be the fun times that's the that's the game that looms large jim it is it does loom large it does loom large you know kentucky a lot of times is a sneaky tough game it's, exactly it's a lot of times just one of those where even when you win you're like that that's that was an ugly game that was a lot tougher than it should have been and yeah. you're just kind of glad to get it over with yeah yeah agreed uh all right, this next one, I don't know, we, we kind of went into this one, but uh, Brian DeRizzo asked, what's ruining college football faster? Conference realignment, the Saban era, or ESPN? I'll put, I'll put the Saban era at the lowest. I don't feel like that yeah. so much ruins anything. That just, he's just really good. <laughs> and, and we have benefited from that. I mean, and obviously Kirby had his tutelage there and, yeah. and brought that system here, tweaked it. So we, we have absolutely benefited. Um Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it is is just – and the conference of realignment is just being driven by the networks, not, not just ESPN but Fox as well. Yeah, So I think true. that is probably the the real culprit for the changes in, in college sports right now. It's just – it's just – it's being driven from the networks. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're engineering the conference realignment to get better matchups regardless of whether they make sense anymore. More eyeballs, yeah. I, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. The 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 networks, the saving era is just. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just the the nature of how far ahead of the game he was. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. there's certainly some arguments to be made that NIL at Alabama has been existent in existence, and frankly, has been existing existence everywhere in the sec but maybe he was just doing it at, <laughs> at the level that we should have been doing it you know well i think his focus on recruiting and yeah and that was that was the difference maker of, of having a model that you can go after not just 
going after players who are pretty good, but having a model of what he wanted and going after that each and every year and stacking great one great recruiting class on top of the next, that was the game changer for him. Yeah, I think great that, coach yeah. and all that, but but he really he he was up so far ahead of the game and taking advantage of the recruiting um, than anybody else. Yeah, Rick. It was Rick's. It was definitely Rick's downfall in, in a number in a number of ways. Was you know he had the mentality of he had the mentality of you you come to Georgia for four years and Saban didn't have that same mentality. No. Yeah, I, I think that's the unfortunate thing for Rick is that 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 timing with, with Saban. You know, I mean he had he had to deal with that that rise there, and had he not, like we were we were ascending right there, and then Saban came in. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, you know, the big problem is that Miami doctor that didn't let Saban get Drew Brees in the Dolphins. Otherwise, he probably would have stayed with the Dolphins. That's 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 the person who we need to blame is the Miami Dolphins team doctor. <laughs> that's crazy. It's, it's it's like the butterfly wings flapping. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Hurricane hits. It's exactly Miami doctor. Um, yeah, but then then Kirby would have stayed at Miami, right? You know, well, that's true. Alabama, Kirby was at so Miami. Like, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah so it's, it all worked out. They were all worked Kirby out. Kirby would have been the new Don Shula instead of. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice. Nice. Oh. Uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, okay. I, I, I love this one. So, uh, John Michael D., not necessarily his best or your favorite, but similar to John's Georgia moment or connection question, actually, which we hit, which we always hit when we have a guest, uh, which of Larry's calls slash moments stands out the most for each of y'all? And he has an example or clarification. So for, for John Michael D., it was the hobnail boot. But the reason being, he said he was watching the game at a family reunion at someone's house on Lake Blackshear. They had a dinosaur of a television. The house was old. And then when Green threw the pass to Ron Haynes, everyone jumped up. He said the TV fell over and died. During their celebration, so so I guess more about about the moment around it than necessarily the call itself. So, um, I I'll I'll go I'll go quickly because I got mine. I've talked about mine before on the podcast, so I'll be quick. Uh, but Jason, in case you haven't heard it, mine is Bobo to Corey Allen in the '96 Auburn game, and to to, to send that game to overtime. And my reasoning is that we were in the car driving to Macon, Georgia to go visit my grandparents. And so that one just always stands out to me. I had, I was not watching the TV. You know, we were just listening to the radio and had months in to guide us through that play and then the overtime. So that that's mine. That, that is a heck of a call though. I, w- I had an apartment off of Hancock Avenue. They actually, that's where the KA house stands now, but it was, okay. uh, <laughs> and, and I was in that apartment and, and just remember, uh, it's like the whole building shook as everyone in the whole building jumped up and down when uh, that, yeah. that play up. Uh, that was great. Uh, mine, I, the look of the sugar falling from the sky. Yeah, George <laughs> Auburn. It's just such a, it's such a weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> as 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 Larry w- was wont to do. Yeah, yeah it's seriously. Just, it's very descriptive. You know exactly what he meant, but it's just such mm. an odd turn of phrase uh and so that's just one of those that has always stuck with me yeah 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 i'd say that like the i guess you you talking about that just made me kind of question my guess so like when you talk about best like from a from a radio announcer's perspective like what's what's the best call i actually think that the the florida gators call because like i think about like when you're talking about guys that are announcing big like impactful moments on a, on a team or on history or whatever, 
um, they they let you, the announcers kind of paint the picture for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the Florida Gators, you know, the <laughs> the the run Lindsay call is yeah. like he he basically t- teleports you from any point where you're listening to that to that booth. You're sitting right next to him watching that play happen. Yeah. And I I just Every time I every time I hear that call, I visualize like what it was, what he was talking about, and what it was like just sitting right next to him yeah. <laughs> while you're watching one of the greatest plays in UGA history. Um, that is like the quote unquote best from a from an art standpoint, in my opinion. For me personally, like the thing that I, is like I remember most, like from a selfish perspective, is the hobnail boot call because I was watching that game with my dad in the living room. And it's kind of the same situation. Like, you know, my dad and I both jumped up, like we couldn't believe it. You know, I, I gave up, you did too kind of thing. Like, it was, like <laughs> we were just, we were just like ecstatic. My dad is not, a, not the spryest guy in the world. And he just like catapults out of the, the <laughs> armchair. <laughs> Man. Well, I think that's the thing about months and me. There's so, and we can go down a list of so many moments where you're, where you can put yourself right exactly back to where you were when you heard him make that call for the first time. Yeah. And that's so rare and so special. And yeah. it's his, it's his language. It's his voice. It's the way he was describing things. And every George fan who got to experience Munson, which, and it's, it's strange to think that he's been gone for over a decade now. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. It's and, and there's really a whole generation of George fans who only really know him from the uh, the video montage at the beginning of the games. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. But it's it's you know for, for those of us who got to experience him, there's so many. Like I said, there's so many times where you, you hear that and go, okay, I, I was I was in my apartment on Hancock Avenue, you know, or I was in the living room with my dad. I was I it was in the car going to make it. You knew exactly where you were when he made that call. Yeah. Yep. I do. I do. Do you have any interactions with Larry? No, I never got to meet him. Never got to meet him. Never Uh, got to meet him. And all the time. Wow. All right. I've told this story before, so I'll tell you this one later, Jason, but I did. I I picked him up from his house and drove him to the homecoming (laughs) parade when we were in college. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was amazing. Talk about the surreal moment. It was like, you know, there's a radio in the car, but the radio was talking to me from the passenger seat. It was really weird. <laughs> Jim has Jim has some very weird interactions with uh, Mount Rushmore UGA uh, types. It is true. It is true. The Irish goodbye, Kirby Smart. Oh my gosh, we don't need we don't need to relive that one again. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one too. Uh, that, yeah, that was a, a Rick and Kirby interaction the same night, and I. You try to learn from your stakes, and then you mess things up. <laughs> I did. I did meet Larry. I did meet Larry once. Um, I, I was in school, and he had a movie club that he was a part of that I went to with a friend that was a part of the club or whatever was invited. And we saw, I think it was Match Point or something. I can't remember what it was. The tennis, some tennis movie. <laughs> Just about to say that, like the Kirsten Dunst tennis movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's wow, that's a movie I haven't thought of in a long, long time. Uh, so that that movie is forever ingrained in my memory bank of Larry Munson. Actually, that was Wimbledon, wasn't Wimbledon, that movie called Wimbledon? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. Match okay. Point was a different one. Okay, I was at the way. Yeah, well, when I said Kirsten Dunst, I realized that was the Wimbledon. I've never even seen that. But was it Match Point with Scarlett Johansson? I don't even know. I don't I, even know. I, for whatever reason, I think it was. We had a. We were. We talked. 
about we've gone off the rails. Uh, but I we, Wimbledon came up recently, and I was making made a joke about it. Uh, love it, love it. Uh, all right, we've got some more direct. Um, actually, we may have answered this one, but just to double check, uh, Brett Belding had asked. Oh, this was he said besides the Larry Munson archives, which which we 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 did correct is not Ed Harder. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what is the most interesting item? in the collection would that is it the chalice or is there something that else that you consider to be more interesting uh the chalice um like i said i mean and, and getting back to kind of y'all's uniform session mm. we do have a pair of three <laughs> silver riches football pants and nice. and that's just not something you think about when and, and actually we have a um a, a jersey from the 20s as well okay uh so you know i think there's two old uniform pieces and the the pants are really just I mean, they're khaki football pants. They're they're not khaki. all that exciting. They're khaki, uh, <laughs> which seems really appropriate for our fan base. Um, they are khaki pants. <laughs> onward <laughs> reserve. Onward. Enter, enter yeah. onward reserve. Oh, man. Uh, uh, and they have. Uh, we actually, function, yeah. I know exactly who they belong to. Uh, they belong really? to our friend back in 1936, Andy Roddenberry. Uh, he was from cool. Columbus. And they're uh, just khaki. They have black, uh, two black stripes on the backside, and they have um, uh, lamb's wool in the in them as padding. Yeah, wow, that's cool. That, that hey, is really cool. Jason, uh, actually, something that came up recently on the on the socials, um, someone we, we were talking about throwbacks, and um, mm-hmm. we were talking about the the first game, the first game that was played at, at Sanford Stadium. Like we needed to have um Yale come Yale come back and we we're talking about the uniforms that they could wear the throwbacks and someone threw out a uniform and I was like well was that the uniform I don't know and we went back and looked and that very first game in Sanford Stadium UGA wore white and Yale wore blue which is like totally sacrilege in, in this day and age so like <laughs> would you happen to have a white jersey that was worn at that game <laughs> I don't know I would love to but no I'm and I'm, I think we did that because we wanted it was such a big deal for Yale to come down, and Yale right. was the football was one of the traditional football powers. Uh, they'd never played in the South before, uh, right? So it was it was huge for them to come down. I think that we let them wear their home uniforms. Exactly. Uh, yeah. also tell you, the other thing is, you know, what people forget. I mean, it was over. It was almost a hundred years ago. None of us were there. Um, <laughs> and people forget. People forget. <laughs> Is when you when you deal with history all day like I do, sometimes you forget that you weren't at the Yale game. Um, <laughs> so when they wore they, I mean, it was October in Georgia. It was a really warm day, but Yale had brought down their fall, their heavy fall uniforms. Mm. They were heavy wool, and so it was a hot day. And we were wearing those white jerseys, which were light. They were cut off. They were white or gray. I've never been able to exactly tell. Some of the some of the photos they look gray, some they look white. Um, so we were wearing kind of a light uniform and they were wearing these heavy wool uniforms and they were exhausted during the game because they were so hot and they weren't used to the heat. Mm. Um, so a little home field advantage for us that day. Nice. I like it. Little inside sources. UCLA, <laughs> UCLA is going to get a taste of that when they go play in Big Ten country in November. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, I, I think we answered the next one maybe. So it was 51 to 7 GATA, but to go back to it, the... Uh, the Boise uniforms from 11. Does anyone know what they did with these uniforms after the game? Actually, so we know where one pair of pants is. Pants are because they're at Hargrave Library. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of it, we don't know. No, we don't know. 
I'm assuming their scattered pieces exist every other places. But. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I, 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 it took me a second to realize what was going on with this one. So uh, Fletcher, Fletcher Proctor, do you fear a break in from Nick Cage? So Jason, this is for you. Do you fear a break in from Nick Cage? And if Benjamin <laughs> Gates slash Cage were to break in, what would he most likely be after? Mm. So little national treasure reference. Um, you know, assuming he was just after sports stuff, <laughs> uh, and Nick Cage just strikes me as a big, big sports guy. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, can I re- can I reframe? Can I reframe the yeah, question yeah. and maybe help you? Um, it's if, so broad based. So yes. What 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 would what is the what is the athletic association's most prized possession? Ah, that's a good way for is it? Ooh. In your collection, I guess I should say. Yeah, I was, I was about to say um, in our collection. <laughs> yeah, I would probably go with um, Sequitch's jersey. Yeah, that's mm, a good that's one. That's a good one. That's a great one. It's, it's signed one. and uh, with the scores written on it, or with, a, with a, uh, the score of the Georgia Tech game written on it. From that game. Mm, love it. Love it. That's awesome. There's also, so our first ever bowl game was in the Orange Bowl against TCU. Mm. And um, we have a jersey that's signed by every member of that team. Mm. So I think one of those two. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. The the, the first bowl game and the most recent, technically, kind of sort of. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a neat little <laughs> bit of uh, history repeating. Yeah, yeah, that is right, cool. right, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you? I don't know if you're. Uh, I know. I know. The collection is all sports, right? I know we we we, we talk about football, but a little basketball. Yeah. Uh, so you know the, the men's. So Fletcher is our like big Georgia basketball fan listener. Uh, men's basketball team dominated Italy. They recently went on like a tour of, of games in Italy. What country should Mike White conquer next? Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the con- the country of Georgia, or at least the <laughs> state of Georgia. <laughs> there we go. I like it. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say USA. Let's we're I want to get back to playing postseason basketball. Um, because like we talked about earlier, with our times in Athens, we were there for you know the Herrick years, and that place Stegman rocks when the team is good, and it is a fun place to be. I got to see Tubby and Herrick, and yeah, when when we're good, that place is is packed. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember those years, it was fun. Hopefully he got a pipeline, a recruiting pipeline going with Italy. Maybe he can. Yeah, seriously. I, I would say, other than USA, I would say maybe he could conquer Spain and <laughs> yep. get, a, get a recruiting pipeline from Spain. <laughs> nice. Come, and, come to us. Yeah, nice. nice. I like it. All right. So last, last but not least, Coach Coach Trill, Coach Trill, <laughs> who has returned, who has re- made his triumphant return to Twitter. The hiatus is over. Uh, we don't have to change the over unders name segment name like we thought we were gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> so Jason, for you, what is your Mount Rushmore of historical artifacts in the library? And it could be, you know, we, you may have named all of them, but let's get an official official Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I, th- I think we probably touched on them, uh, or most of them that I would come up with. The, the Sinkwich jersey, uh, Coach Dooley's college all star game jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The chalice and Stetson's play call wristband. Well, I will go for two. For, you know, the the play call wristband and the wristbands that Keeley was wearing when he scored the pick six. See, there's so many artifacts you can't even get it down to four. It no, you really can't. It tells you what's in there. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 
it's out of a, curiosity, out of curiosity, where how did how did you how did you guys come come to get the wristbands for both of those players? Like, was that something that was requested, or were they just like, here you go? Well, I rappelled down from the ceiling, and <laughs> <laughs> it was a Benjamin Gates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they donated them willingly. Um, after the after the national championship game, uh, Steve Colquitt and Leland Barrow. Uh, Steve left the athletic department, but Leland's uh, SID for football. Uh, they went around and asked some guys if they'd be willing to donate uh, some things to the archive, and they absolutely were. Um, so. Is- is Leland the guy that walked around with Stetson a lot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Uh, incredibly nice guy. Incredibly. I was about to say he's he's the guy that we wanted to get. He's like one of those guys that I wanted to talk to on the on the podcast because I have so many questions. Yeah, he, he's a really really <laughs> nice guy. Um, and he actually worked me in getting a set of Kirby sideline clothes uh, for the archivist as well. So we have a complete mm-hmm. set of Kirby sideline, uh, including a visor. I was just about <laughs> to yeah, say, yeah. is it including the visor? It includes the visor. <laughs> And his khaki pants. Um, <laughs> honestly, it does include his khaki pants. But yeah, they all donated willingly. They weren't told to. They weren't uh, requested to. They were told what it was for, what they were being collected for. And those guys were said, yeah, we'd, we'd love to. Same so so like Stetson still had his wristbands and he donated them and same for Keeley? Yep. Interesting. Yep. Okay. He, they peeled oh, them off. Okay. And there you go. And honestly, after the Rose Bowl, uh, Sony donated the gloves that he was wearing when he scored the winning touchdown and he had the ball. So he donated that as well. Uh, really Nick cool. donated his cleats. So, you know, guys, guys do donate stuff to us. That's crazy. Probably because yeah. they don't, they don't realize how much they probably want to keep them later. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, and the thing we always, you know, the thing is they know they can come back and see them. It's, they're not going to yeah, lose yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, they're not going to lose them in a move. They're not going to get stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's going to be in a safe. They're going to vault. <laughs> so <laughs> so like I, the, it's like the greatest. It's like the greatest storage unit you could ever have. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if I stop by and I'm like, I want to, and then I mean, can I pick these things? We've so like if sure. I come back, I could say like, I want to see some of these gloves. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. This is so cool. Yeah. I can't. I, I'm. I can't wait to come by in the fall. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. Really. Uh, I mean, the, the the catalog is online. Um. It's, okay. it's all online. You can just look and see what all that's in there and say, you know, these are the these are the things I want to see. And then we'd be happy to bring them out. Yeah. So like a Chinese menu, like I'll take I'll take one Stetson Bennett wristband. I'll take one Sinkwich jersey. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like the sushi menu you fill out. It's like, yeah, this is that's exactly it. Nice. Nice. Uh, okay. Coach Trailhead for all of us. Mount Rushmore of UGA home games attended. So I guess your top four home games you've attended in person. Um, for me, Notre Dame. Yeah, I was a good um, yep. That was just really special, um, seeing Notre Dame come out on the field. Um, and I, I know it's it's easy to kind of knock Notre Dame a little bit, but <laughs> for, for what they represent to college football history and the tradition that they have, seeing them come out of the locker room onto that field um, was, was really special. Um, then, uh, Tennessee last year, you know, not even thinking with recency bias. I mean, that was just a heck of a home game and an electric atmosphere. Um, yeah. Uh, I will go back to the first home game I ever attended Georgia, uh, Georgia Clemson in 1986. Um, 
just walking into this, seeing campus for the first time ever, seeing the stadium for the first time ever, um, walking yeah. into the stadium. That was just, I mean, I still have very, very uh, deep memories of that day. Um, it was just a really special day. And Oh, goodness. Um, those are three good ones. That's four. Um, I'll say the Georgia Tech Reggie Ball game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. It was a great game. Um, it was a and, great game. You know, and Reggie Ball cemented himself <laughs> in the lore of Georgia sports that day. Uh, it's one of oh, our greatest games. Oh, man. All right. That was 06, right? So mm. It was 04, wasn't it? I'm trying to think here. Wasn't it? Was that not the the night game with the Massaqua touchdown, or was it not the same game? Fifty one to seven, JTA is going to kill us because he's the big. Uh, no, no, it was, it was, game. It was That was. Um, oh, that, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. was because uh, Green and Pollock were still playing, weren't they? Yep, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. I like it. Uh, I've got some overlap. John, do you have yours? No, or do you, you think? go first? All I'll right, go first. So Notre right. Dame, Notre Dame is definitely on there for me. Although I'm probably going to steal one of yours. Um, we probably have an overlap. So the goalpost coming down Tennessee game, that's there for me because uh, I was in college. Um, you know, it's weird because so many of the great things that happened, like when I was in school, et cetera, were like on the road. <laughs> uh, like the big, like the last minute wins for me that I was at tended to be more road game, like the hobnail boot and O2 at Auburn. You know, Georgia um, has a weird thing where if you look back, so many of our greatest games were on the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah. going back to, you know, the early days. So many of our greatest games are on the road. Yeah. Um, I guess so many of mine, like I, I almost like I, I have this problem of like including the, the, the atmosphere almost as a bias. So like, that's valid though. You know, so like two that stand out to me are like, oh, Oh, four LSU. There's two LSU games actually. So, oh, four, and then what? 13? Uh, was it 13? Uh, 13. Yeah, that was in the South Carolina game that year was great as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll go oh, four. Or wait, sorry. What did I say? Two, two, three. Yeah, four LSU. And then I'll go, I'll go the, I will go. Hmm. See, for me, it's a tie between oh, two tech with the 51 to seven, just obliterating them. But I'm gonna go 06 with the Stafford to Massaqua because that's one of my fa- that's one of my favorite months in calls too. So I'll go with that. Yeah, I was about to say that's also Massaqua. one of his yeah. like great later calls. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And the play caller on that drive, by the way, was one Mike Bobo. That was one of the first times where Rick gave him the reins and let him start calling the plays was back then. Yeah. So the night the goalpost came down, yeah. Uh the LSU uh, I think it was, I think you're that's the one where we blew them out at home, right? That that was the four was the four blowout, yeah, yeah. It was when I was in school because I was I was there because I remember I remember watching all the people dressed up in pimp suits basically crying in the in the stand. <laughs> there were a lot of them in town that day. A it was so hot. It was so hot. Yeah, it was really hot that day. Let's see, goalposts, LSU. I'm trying to think. Um, we had uh, the, the Clemson game in 07 was the first game that I took Lindsay to uh, when we were first dating. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. That was 
that was that was a, a memorable a memorable moment because she was she was pregnant with Carly at the time actually. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Those are those are the big ones. Those are the big ones for me. When you said Clemson, I also just thought of because I was saying there was no there's O two Clemson is a good one where it was a late moment because I remember we had like a fourth and one like on our side of the field and uh, Rick I, I think we handed the ball off to David Pollock as a fullback and got the first down something like that uh, and like to and then we took a knee to end the game uh, I remember that was a big. That, that that's one of those kind of close home games because, like I said, so many, so many of the close home games are losses. <laughs> it stands yeah. out to me. Yeah. So the uh, at least I mean, for te- a certain, it, it right. technically yes. wasn't a home game. Technically, wasn't a home game, but the SEC championship in 05 was also pretty amazing too. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. One. <laughs> that is good. I was not there. I watched the. I watched that on TV. I was there in the seat. It's actually funny because it's another LSU. It's another LSU situation, but uh, yeah, I was actually in in the crowd with a bunch of LSU fans. I was literally the only one there, and I was there with a, an LSU fan that like gave me a ticket, basically. And <laughs> I was the only George guy that literally anywhere around. And I was sitting there yelling and screaming, and they were all like, "There's this old guy that was like yelling at me," and then everybody eventually got him to to lay off me because I was just celebrating like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> in a Maybe. sea of LSU fans. That's making me want to change my LSU choice because on, I'll go honorable mention 99 LSU at home. Uh, that was a game where we wore white pants mm-hmm. and Will Witherspoon batted the ball down on a two-point conversion yeah. to seal the deal on that one. That was a good one. Yeah, that 99 team was actually pretty good. They they People yeah. kind of forget about the 99 team. They had a couple of bad losses, but that's a really good moment. So we had a good moment against UCF that year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, who had was Dewante Culpepper as their quarterback that year? Hey, okay, I'm pretty sure that was like the year was like he the had year just he left. Did. I think he was a rookie. Yeah, he I just think, in the NFL. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but that team was stacked. That team was stacked, especially the the defense. I mean, offense too. But uh, the main problem with that team was that uh, we didn't have Champ Bailey anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's, All right, it that, is hard to replace Jet Bailey. So. It is, yes. And I feel like he was, uh, ironically, and we had a harder time replacing him on offense than defense, if that yeah. makes any sense at all. No, but, that makes sense. All right, that that exhausts that exhausts the listener questions. Um, I will say, first off, I can't wait to come to... All right, and John, actually, make sure that I'm pronouncing this correctly. Hargrit Library? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Hargrit. Okay. Yeah, it is hard grit. Okay, that's what I thought. I was making sure. Sorry. Sorry. I we big we get big into pronunciations, Jason. Yes. <laughs> you might need to get Scott Howard to record that one. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we do miss the Scott Howard recordings of how to say players because we we really in, enjoy the things like that was our favorite. Uh, Robert Robert Beal was our favorite uh, pronunciation. <laughs> but um. A hard name to pronounce, Robert. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they, they had a pronunciation guide on the site, and that one was recorded. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't wait to come see the exhibits. Uh, like we said earlier, we were definitely honored when we had the conversation around you know b- being able to contribute something to the Dilly exhibit, and I'm no, super that, that super works. excited for when it opens. Well, like I said, you know, you guys are welcome to come on down and and let me know, and you know. We'll pull out some things and uh, 
I'll let you get it, see some neat stuff from the archive. That would be awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be something that I'm going to add to the repertoire there. On, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to try to come on, on Kentucky. I'm looking at ways to get up there and stay overnight on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. But, you know, it's something that I really hope Georgia people know that this collection exists and they know that it's accessible. You know, it's, it's not mm-hmm. hidden away somewhere. It's open to the public mm-hmm. and you can just come in and spend some time looking at stuff and, and kind of enjoying the, the physical history of our program, uh, which is pretty, sp- and we are very special. We are very, uh, it is very special that we have this collection uh, because not many universities have something like this and certainly not to the extent that we have it. So mm-hmm. I hope all Georgia fans take advantage of this and come and see it at some point. Yeah. Amazing. I feel like we I feel like we need to get a, a marketing campaign for you on the TikToks. We need to get you with the, <laughs> the, the we need to get you with the dog father on, on how to get the TikToks going from the, <laughs> like the library. Because I feel like that you're like there's 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 definitely ways to get the word out there on on because I guarantee you that there's a whole swath of the fan base and the student body that has no idea that you guys exist. Okay. No, not at all. But I'm I'm afraid I might I might just break TikTok, but not in a good way. I don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to be TikTok personality. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we'll 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 send we'll send as many people we can your way. We'll. I definitely, I'm already trying to think of when, when I can take off. I usually come down like on Saturday mornings when I come down, but or Friday evening, but I'm going to make this work. I'll come, I yeah. want to come down for a, come down on a Friday and come by and, and shoot everything out. Yeah. You I, definitely I would be like a kid in a candy store there. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it sounds just unbelievable. I mean, you can see over my shoulder. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I have things. I, I keep, yeah. I keep everything. I've got all of <laughs> newspapers and magazines and everything behind me. Uh, so yeah, that's really cool. And I want to see Munson's chair. Yes. We'll make that so I, I can come and I can come see the chair, right? We'll we'll can let me know and we'll make that work. We have to okay. keep the chair in offsite storage because it's kind of maybe it's a okay, big see, old chair, so. Okay. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, I got a podcast special collection. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole building just for podcast stuff. Uh, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Well, Jason, thank you so much, man. This has been a lot of fun for me. I'm sure, like John said, uh, hopefully, I think we've probably educated and and try to get the word out there, folks, to come see you. Um, hey, I just I just enjoyed talking college football with you too. I think you got a really good, uh, really good perspective on things. Um, I don't know, just through your career and what you've done and what you do, you just know so much about the history of the game. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me on, and you know, it's it's never a bad time just sitting around talking about college sports. So, yeah. uh, but I really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, taking the time, and, and hopefully, like I said, see you soon down now. Awesome. Yes, sir. All right. Go dogs. Go dogs, guys. Go dogs. <laughs> All right, rare my God podcast moment where not only. <laughs> Was there a conversation that we joined in progress, but there was another conversation afterwards. John, I'm going to let you set the stage. Oh, well, we forgot. We totally forgot because uh, Jason and Logan uh, Booker, our, our last guests, uh, have are good friends and they go hiking together. And if you haven't followed Logan on Instagram yet, go follow him. He just went to, was it Zion? He went to Zion National Park, I think it was. Yeah. But so. uh, Jason and Logan have, uh, they hike the AT quite often, right? And there's an interesting story that you guys had recently, fairly recently. 
yeah, it was it was a maybe two years ago now. Um, so we were hiking from we were hiking from Hogpen Gap to Unicoi Gap, which is like a sixteen mile stretch of the AT. It had been snowing that day um, up in the mountains, which we really didn't realize when we set out. We knew it was going to be cold, but we didn't realize it was going to be a lot of snow. <laughs> so we had been trudging through the snow. We were both very cold. At some point, we stopped to catch our breath, and I look up, and maybe 50 yards from this, maybe probably not even that, sitting in a tree looking down on us is a gigantic black bear. <laughs> and the bear had no interest in us. It was very sleepy. What it was doing in the tree, I have no idea. But it looked at us, we looked at them, or we looked at him, and, and basically said, maybe it's time we move on from here. <laughs> so we moved very quickly away, even though we both knew the bear had no interest in attacking us. It was, it was a very sleepy bear. I feel like we need to call, we need to call Logan out. Cause he always says he wants to fight a bear. He wants to fight a bear. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there, that is the true unvarnished, uh, story of me and Logan and the bear. Oh. So it's, it's not as exciting. There was no chance to fight it. <laughs> Um, I hope Logan does get his chance one day to fight a bear. Uh, uh, there, we were neither of us were imminent in any kind of imminent danger. Um, so yeah, a, was, little, it, a little anticlimactic, but that's the whole truth about the bear. It was not the cocaine bear by any stretch. No. If it was, it was like sleepy post cocaine binge bear. <laughs> Logan had a theory that he was. Logan had a theory that he was. He was didn't want to be wet from the snow or wasn't expecting to be wet from the snow. And so he climbed the tree to get away from the wetness. Could be. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't know I, what I would do if I came face to face with a bear, but I guess that, uh, I, I don't know. I guess is the, are the black bears, the ones that are like less aggressive than like a grizzly bear. Yeah. You really have to work to get a black bear to attack you. Right. Mm, okay. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like a life, a life, a life-size version of Winnie the Pooh, because I think Winnie the Pooh was modeled after a black bear, right? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. But no, they the only they 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 don't really have much interest in dealing with people. Certainly not in, in radio hosts. So <laughs> he's, he's he's like, hey, tell me what you think about Georgia's season. <laughs> Should the Jacksonville game be moved to Athens? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these are the things we would talk about. Uh, all right. Well, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't leave without talking about that. I mean, all the frequently, frequently, John and I talk about something after we hit stop, but rarely do we hit record again. But we had, we had to, this we had to hit record because we just had Logan on and he just told us to talk about the stupid story and we didn't talk about it. Uh, well, I'm glad oh, to get the record straight about the bear. I know I'm kind of a wet blanket here, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the historical record. I like, it. I like there it. There we go. There we go. I like it. I like that perspective. That's is there, is there any other any other stories that we need to hear about Mr. Booker? No, no. Logan's <laughs> a good uh, a good guy and a good hiking partner. So. Uh, awesome. Yeah. One are you guys, guys going to hike the full AT? Hmm? Are you well, guys going to fight the? Are you guys going to hike the full AT at some point? Uh, if if I have six months off work somehow. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and much better knees. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That's fair. What was the elevation gain in the section that you guys were going on? Oh gosh, out of I curiosity. Don't, uh, I don't remember. It's it's not too extreme. 
Even of all the the North Georgia trails, that one's not too bad. Got it. Fair enough. That's amazing. I'm very jealous of Logan's Logan's travels out to Utah and to Zion and all all those things. And he even went to like the BYU game. So like he's he's Mister Outdoorsman. He's he's just living that dink life. <laughs> uh, with the, with the palatial lake home and uh, the 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 western adventure. <laughs> The, the, the woodworking shop, the woodworking shop that uh, that Bob Vila would be proud of, <laughs> and the Peloton, and the Peloton, and the Peloton. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I don't know. I guess we sign off again. Do we give another? We, you know, we, I don't know that we've ever done this really this way before. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I couldn't I'll, avoid you it. Get, if you're going to sign off, you might as well sign off. Go dogs. <laughs> Go dogs again. <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs>